I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome everybody in to the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show on this Tuesday. Thanks so much for Rolling with us for joining in. We've got so much to discuss. Kamala Harris with, I don't know if it is the most Kamala Harris moment we've seen yet, but it is definitely a memorable one about the passage of time. Uh, Remember, this is somebody who was supposed to fix the border, maybe fix Ukraine. Hasn't really fixed very much at all. The the Katanji Brown-Jackson hearings are underway right now. Senators questioning the Supreme Court nominee up on Capitol Hill. Clay and I'll give you our sense of how that's going, where that's going, any big takeaways from it. We'll be joined uh, about the second hour of the program today, bottom of the hour, by our friend Shannon Bream, chief legal analyst at uh, chief legal correspondent over at Fox News. And we will also talk a bit more about the situation in Ukraine. Right now, there are two battlefield narratives uh, or two battlefield assessments that seem to be in conflict. One is that Russia has stalled out and there could even be the usage of chemical and biological weapons by the Russians. Biden has brought this up. I mean, so this is not fringe conversation because Russia has stalled out. On the other side, it's people pointing out that the Ukrainians should sue for peace and negotiate as soon and as earnestly as possible because A breakout for them against the Russian invasion is effectively militarily impossible, absent major military intervention from the outside, meaning us and NATO, which doesn't seem like that's going to happen, hopefully. So got a lot of that to talk to you about. But we had mentioned in passing um, in the last few days, I think, this Yale Law School free speech event that has started to get more and more attention as people, I think, realize the full extent of of what occurred here and and it's indicative of a much bigger trend something that should concern and worry all of you across the country because of what it means for who wields power not just in the apparatus as a general sense but the legal apparatus of this country so this is a, a piece up on the daily mail law schools are in crisis the truth doesn't matter much 
The game is to sing, uh, signal one's virtue. Yale Law School professor who tackled woke mob at free speech event says the future of the rule of law in the U.S. is in crisis. Let me say, she's telling you the truth. The law schools have gone ultra-woke. They are churning out activists, and they don't change their minds when they graduate from law school. They become prosecutors. They become partners at big, powerful firms. They become the people that make the determinations within the legal apparatus. Clay, you went to law school. You understand the progression of this over time. It is remarkable to talk to attorneys today who will say, it's not that the left-wing law school and now post-law school, you know, in associates at firms, all the way up to now more senior lawyers and, and prosecutors, it's not that they disagree just on political issues. They get outraged by the notion that everyone's entitled to a defense, that you have the right to remain silent no matter how bad of a right-wing person you may be. Maybe you were part of the insurrection. This is madness. Yeah, it is. And for people who haven't seen the viral videos of the Yale Law School free speech event being shouted down by Yale Law students, it's terrifying. Uh, Because it's one thing when, and and I don't want to say uneducated, but youthful and dumb 18 and 19-year-old kids, college kids, which a lot of us have been at some point in time, get fired up and decide that they're going to speak out against someone who is on campus. I don't uh, agree with that in any way, but by the time you get to law school, by the time you are 22 or older, and certainly as you are studying the law, which I was fortunate enough to be able to do at Vanderbilt Law School, it's shocking to me to even think From the time when I was in law school in the early 2000s, I graduated from law school in 2004, that at any point while I was on Vanderbilt's campus, there could have ever been a speaker who was shouted down, no matter what that speaker was discussing, is is unfathomable to me that it could have ever occurred. And when I read and see what is going on in law school communities now, and also inside of big law firms, Buck. This is a big deal that I don't think is discussed enough. There are companies that are so woke now, Buck, that they are saying, not give me the best lawyers to represent uh, this company for purposes of legal representation, but they're saying, give me a set quota of minority lawyers to work on my Uh, legal issues, something I've never heard of before. The idea that you wouldn't pick the best lawyers inside of the best firm, but that you would say the people who work on this have to be cosmetically diverse. It's crazy. And the idea that we have allowed this belief, and I mean faculty too, there are so many faculty, Buck. There was a big story recently about the Uh, N-word. Do you remember this story? inside of, I think it was Yale Law School as well, that a professor had read uh, the N-word in a uh, court case, and it had turned into a massive issue that you would even utter. It's inside of a proceeding, right? The factual uh, analysis right. of a case. So their expectation is to change the the court record of what was said because right. it offends. Don't, this don't is, read. 
Yeah. The examples that we give of, okay, and by the way, this is why I say this notion of banning a word for some people in all usage is wrong. We all abide by this, unfortunately, because in society you get destroyed, but it's wrong. Meaning that there are words you should not use to refer to people, but there's always a context in which a word being said could be justifiable. For example, reading back in testimony in a court what a person said. The court stenographer is not a bad person for reading back what was said. But this is about ultimate control, control of your mind. And and control of your actions, obviously, as well. And the reason I think the Yale Law School thing is so interesting, I mean, Claywell knows this because he went to a very esteemed law school, by the way. He's at one, yeah. um, But Yale Law School is the number one law school in the country. I mean, if you get into Yale Law School, uh, our buddy uh, geopolitical strategist Elbridge Colby was a friend of mine from the D.C. days. He's a Yale Law guy. He's super smart. You go to Yale Law, everyone's supposed to essentially genuflect at your legal altar. These places are churning out woke maniacs and i just i want people to understand across the country the woke maniacs don't change they go from they they take their little yale law school golden ticket to the top of the legal profession they clerk for federal judges they become federal judges they become prosecutors they become the top partners at law firms that i mean just to remind everybody donald trump the sitting president of the united states had a tough time getting legal counsel for the fake Russia collusion bullcrap that they pulled against him because people didn't want to be ostracized. They didn't want to, yeah. they didn't want to be untouchable with the legal profession. Clay, I knew of other people working in that White House who didn't have a lot of money, didn't have a lot of, and it was tough for them to get the lawyers that they wanted because nobody wanted to be associated with, think about this, a lawyer who doesn't want to be associated with giving the proper defense to White House employees of a sitting president. This is what the woke legal madness has done. And props to Barry Weiss for dealing with this in her sub stack and having people write about it and do it so well. No doubt. And and I'm old school in the sense that I think the ACLU should defend all speech, right? Not just speech that they find to be acceptable in any given day. To me, John Adams, when he was defending the British Redcoats, uh, who had fired at the Boston Massacre upon the colonists, is what a lawyer should aspire to. The best possible defense. Buck, I've said this before on the show, but I've defended murderers. I've defended people accused of domestic uh, violence. I've defended drug dealers in my young days uh, as a lawyer. Uh, that's not because I agree with what they have been accused of, but because, to me, a lawyer has a zealous duty to defend to their utmost ability, even even people and even in situations where you would personally not be on the same side morally as the people you're defending. And so this idea that has taken root in in law schools of uh, the, the basically the woke universe taking over the legal profession. But look at the ACLU. It's, it's, it's a great example of an organization that in the 1970s was willing to defend neo-Nazis who were marching in Skokie, Illinois. There are a lot of Holocaust survivors there, not because certainly they respected the opinions of the Nazis in any way, but because they valued our First Amendment and our legal system more than they did the heinous beliefs that were being defended that day. That's what lawyers should do. Stand up for principle over politics, and instead politics is overwhelming principle now. We are watching right now. We are witnessing. And of course, it's this is the in the background of 
We have this uh, Supreme Court nomination hearing underway right now, and the senators are asking their questions. You and I both believe, Clay, and there's been polling to suggest most of the GOP doesn't even really care because they figure it's either going to be Katanji Brown Jackson or another left-wing activist. So what difference does it really make? She'll get through. And so this is why we're not spending... We'll spend some time on the conversation today. But in the background of this, we are witnessing in this country, and if you speak to... I mean, Clay, you you know about this. You, you, you've seen this. Friends of yours who are lawyers. I have, uh, I have friends and family who are lawyers as well. The transformation in the last 20 years where the left has gone from seeing... Uh, what is a system of justice through our law to a system of power and the wielding of power. This is why they're abandoning core principles like the right to a defense for everybody. This just played out in the previous administration under Donald Trump. Do you think it also might have played out, folks? I ask you this question for anyone who says, oh, this sounds like law school insidery stuff. How many judges wouldn't take any of the election challenge, wouldn't even look at the election challenges that Trump and his lawyers are bringing? Threw them out right away, wouldn't even bring them into court. Now, maybe some were legit, maybe some weren't. Do you think it might make some impact on this when you have people coming out of law schools, particularly elite law schools, who are effectively insane leftists who believe that their goal is not a justice system in this country, but righting the wrongs in a Marxist sense of the past by having a disparate system of justice today. I mean, I, I think that that really does matter. And here's a quote that, that I think uh, nails this home clay in the Daily, home, uh, Daily Mail piece. Partners are being blindsided by associates who think they are liberals in their own image, but they're not, according to a uh, lawyer in Washington, D.C., the associates want to burn the place down. <laughs> yep. That's what I'm hearing from people all across the country. And for any of you who have ever had to go to court, for any of you who face the justice system, for any of you who think that your vote is supposed to count, even though there are all these activist organizations, the corruption of the legal system by the left wholesale and the usage of uh, law schools as indoctrination centers to do it is a major problem. This is like the deep state, but it's the deep legal state. I'll give you an example, Buck. My wife is in law school right now. I was in law school 20 years ago. She experienced what law school was like 20 years ago, compares it to now. Uh, it's, a, it's a time warp. It's crazy how different the overall vibe is. Uh, and not just because, by the way, I do think this factors in because it dehumanizes much. The last two years, lawyers have had to wear, law school students have had to wear masks. Think about how crazy that is, Buck. If you are a 2L right now, that's what they call first year 1L, 2L, 3L. takes three years to graduate. If you're a 2L right now, you're coming up on the end of your second year of law school. Your entire law school training, you have been forced to wear a mask everywhere in class. Uh, you've been uh, restricted in how much you can travel. And I think that's only going to accelerate the insanity because it dehumanizes so much and makes everything... Uh, it, it, it is just going to. I, this is an underrated story. I was my jaw dropped when I saw that protest at Yale Law School. Smartest lawyers in the country, but they they study law at Yale. One reason people love to go there, they don't give grades. That's how cocky they are. Well, this is why they've also changed the admission standards dramatically, by the way, so that it's really hard for some people to get in and a lot easier for other people to get in. And they don't want those disparities to be apparent over the three years of law school as they are in other places. But even on. back 50 years ago, they did the pass fail system, which is why I was like, man, I'd love to go to Yale. Right, uh, but they can they can hide. They can get away with, you know, because there's not the same. Oh, yeah. Right. Ranking. No, so, yes. so they can change their admission standards such that it doesn't doesn't affect 
the perception You're of the a student body the same or way. a made woman, no matter what, if you get in there. I think Stanford also does pass fail, uh, which uh, which is pretty incredible. But that's uh, that's unheard of to be that exclusive, where you don't even have to rank any of your students. You're all supposed to be that elite. Nearly a third of us suffer from chronic pain because of aging or exercise or overexertion. This means that at this moment, hundreds of thousands of you in this audience are experiencing pain. We have a solution for you, and it's likely a name you've heard us make mention of for good reason. It works. Created by doctors and perfected over 15 years of scientific research, Relief Factor was made for these circumstances. With four key ingredients, Relief Factor is a 100% drug-free product, which addresses joint pain, knee, hip, back, neck, and shoulder pain. Hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor, and nearly 70% of them go on to order more. If you're currently in pain and have a 7 in 10 chance to eliminate it, those are pretty good odds. Join the more than half a million people today. Order the three-week quick start for only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to get the 1995 three-week quick start. Relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Relief Factor. Feel the difference. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know... Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new world order, Joe Biden says. The phrase that gets people's attention. Welcome back to the Clay and Buck Show. We've got a lot of 
challenges here at home. You could even say, and I think you should, failures under the Biden regime up to this point. The border, inflation, the economy, crime in cities. Uh, find me a major policy area where there's been decision-making. Energy, energy, fossil fuel uh, regulations and uh, market intrusions by Biden and his team. All this stuff that you've seen has been bad. But they really like to focus now on global leadership. They're trying to reestablish, I think, Joe Biden as the steady hand on the world stage that we were promised that we've never actually seen. This is the remarkable thing. Joe Biden has spent longer than I've been alive, I think, in public office. And never once have you said, wow, he really led on that issue. You know, that that important treaty got signed because of senator or vice president or now President Joe. But he's saying there's going to be a new world order now, and I want to talk about what that will look like. We are at an inflection point, I believe, in the world economy, not just the world economy, in the world. It occurs every three or four generations. As one of the the top military people said to me in a secure meeting the other day, 60, 60 million people died between 1900 and 1946. And uh, since then, we established a liberal world order, and that hadn't happened in a long while. A lot of people died, but nowhere near the chaos. And now is a time when things are shifting. We're going to there's going to be a new world order out there, and we've got to lead it. We've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. I think Clay, he's right in that there's a shift underway. I think, unfortunately, his administration is playing a role in it in a in a bad way. Um, away from a sense of American leadership and America as the best, last, freest uh, hope of mankind and toward China, Russia, non-aligned states that are finding ways to exploit uh, weaknesses, notably recently the fact that we are more reliant than we should be on uh, foreign energy sources, but on a whole range of, of ways and factors It feels like a Biden-led New World Order is one in which Putin and Xi and others are getting a bigger piece of the pie. Yeah, and one of the big challenges that we've got is when we grew up, Buck, there was a universal enemy in some way. Beating the Russians was something that was in the back of your mind, if you were growing up in the 70s, the 80s, the 60s, any of those eras, you really had the sense of America as a force for good in the world. We talked about to start the show off, the protest that's going on at Yale, at law school. What unites all of these woke ideologies, Buck, and I don't think we spend enough time talking about this, is the idea that America is evil and was founded on evil grounds and that as a result our progress does not matter because at inception we were founded upon a great evil which is slavery and so if there is no moral authority in america then you tear down and denigrate the institutions of america and what many of these woke imbeciles are not sophisticated enough to understand is you have to compare American ideology with ideologies around the world right now. China is doing and committing genocide on its own people right now. 
And that's why, to me, the window of the world showing up in Beijing, fuck, we bent the knee to China after they lied about COVID, after they created COVID in a lab, in my opinion, based on all of the evidence. And the whole world, every democratic country, us, Canada, England, Australia, all these places that are supposed to be standing for the betterment of human rights around the world all showed up and bent the knee at Beijing for the Winter Olympics and said virtually zero, nobody did, about China's obligations and responsibilities in the world. Do you think that some of the emotional validation that it seems many in the West, notably here in this country, seek with their fervent support of the Ukrainian cause and the righteousness of it and the flag pins and the Zelensky is, you know, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington and Pericles wrapped into one, whatever. Do you think some of that is in reaction to, for those who at least pay attention to these things, the underlying recognition that China is engaged in human rights crimes and atrocities on a regular basis. China's undermining the United States. China's a totalitarian state. And we were basically all clapping during the Olympics while the Chinese Communist Party was saying, yeah, you guys will bend the knee. You know what I mean? Do you think that it's it's almost like a compensation? We're so anti-Putin uh, in some cases, in some places here, because we've already sort of said, well, I mean, she, come on, I really like those cheap products I get from China and I don't want to cause any problems. Well, I think that's a good point, and and that raises the question of the precedent that's being set with Russia. I mean, I asked this question, Buck, on the show after the State of the Union with Joe Biden when we saw all the politicians with Ukrainian lapel flags that they were wearing at the State of the Union. How many people would wear Taiwan lapel flags if China invaded Taiwan? Would we isolate China's global economy businesses like we have been able to do with russia i severely doubt it i mean buck you and i are both fans of top gun the movie you know they took the taiwan flag off of maverick's jacket in top gun 2 to avoid offending the chinese they changed in the the remake of red dawn they changed the country that invades america from china to north korea because they wanted to avoid offending china there are no asian bad guys there are no asian villains in any hollywood films now because china has got all of hollywood by the throat and that's a metaphor of the larger control that china exerts upon american business everywhere well this is also why would people get all mobilized as uh, and very preachy on countries that they're outraged about you know their human human rights abuses look it's it's if you're right, you're right, but you also need to be consistent or need to be aware of inconsistencies. And the fact of the matter is we are, because the elites in this country make so much money from and from China and need, in their minds, access to the Chinese market, we have very different, we have a relativism, if you will, of human rights standards. Uh, and remind we talk about Saudi Arabia, we could talk about a lot of places with whom we do business but there are the there are the good guys and the bad guys in our minds. And, you know, I think that the discussion around Ukraine and around Russia has fallen into this a, a, a simplistic narrative that is not particularly helpful to the moment, which is first and foremost about how we get the, the bullets and the bombs to to stop. Right. I mean, how do we get people to be safe? And then we can figure out what the new world order, as Biden says, may be. 
But I don't think it's helpful to us to think that there's a a simple uh, a simple storyline here. And if only we all rallied to one side or, or the other um, in just our words and and the way that we sort of promote individual brands on social i don't mean us i mean everybody right everyone's like oh i I stand i stand with ukraine okay but what does that mean yeah and how do we bring this whole thing to a conclusion and and i think there's also been a i do believe there's been a transfer of the mass mobilization mentality from i listen to fauci i obey you know i obey the elites i do whatever i'm told with covid to Anything Ukraine needs, we should do. Ukraine, Ukraine, this is the most important thing. There are a lot of people, and that's why I found that study or the poll out of Canada so interesting, where there's a direct correlation. I mean, basically, the more shots you get, the more involved you want, as a Canadian, the military to be there. I am certain if there was a poll like it in America, it would be the same result. The, The crazy thing, Buck, is emotion governs everything. Most people don't take the time. And, and and the wild thing is, remember initially when social media kind of took off, Buck, the idea was, wow, this is going to be the full flourishment of the First Amendment. How quickly does social media demand consensus? And if you step outside of the lines of consensus, I'm not sure there's ever been any American media entities that have enforced consensus more than social media companies. There was a guy, I think the book is called The Net Delusion. I read it many, many years ago. And his point was that th- that this notion, uh, and again, I'm going back now, I think 15 years, so I might be, but uh, I think The Net Delusion was the name of the book. And the notion was that we believe that the internet is going to create this free flow of information that liberates all mankind in terms of speech and the dissemination of knowledge. And there is some truth to that. There's also truth to we have entered the panopticon which is the uh it's a a prison where you're being watched at all times i mean we are we have seen and china is obviously pioneering this the usage of the technology that was supposed to free us all and allow us to communicate instantaneously and does at some levels being turned now increasingly into tools of suppression tools of control of constant surveillance and of and let's be honest of power as we're seeing from the social media companies in this country who are who are telling us, you know, bend the knee, say a man is a woman, peasant, or else. Or else. I'm going to build on that next because we got more suspensions on Twitter over that exact situation. Oh, my. The most unexpected repair bills often happen when you're visiting your car mechanic. Something you don't know or realize has happened to your vehicle, and the next thing you know, you're paying a $1,500 bill for something you can't even make sense of. It happens with cars, particularly the newer ones that have all those electronics So having a protection plan that covers those expenses is a no-brainer. That's why we want you to have CarShield. They make it easy and affordable to protect your car from expensive repairs. And that's just for starters. CarShield offers protection plans for around 100 bucks a month. That covers more parts than ever before. Whether your car is this year's model, still has that new smell, or it's aging 150,000 miles on it. You know, old, old trusty one. Doesn't matter. When you need a repair, you choose the mechanic and CarShield's administrators handle the rest. No paperwork on your part. Plans through CarShield also include roadside assistance if you need it, along with rental car options and trip reimbursements. Those are all included at no extra cost. Get coverage today. Lock in your price now, and it will never go up as long as you own your car. CarShield has helped millions of drivers. That's why they're America's number one car protection company. Go to carshield.com slash clay and buck. Or call 800-391-8888. 
to save 10% on your plan and lock in your pricing forever. That's carshield.com slash Clay and Buck, B-U-C-K, Clay and Buck, or call 800-391-8888 to save 10%. A deductible may apply. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. We roll through this Tuesday edition of the program. Buck, as we are speaking today, the fallout of the falsely uh, appellated don't say gay bill down in Florida has led to many Disney employees all over the country staging a protest and walking out. Bob Chapek, who is the CEO of Disney, there was a monster article on him in CNBC over the weekend about the potential that he may end up losing his job. He hasn't been at Disney very long over this story. And I think there are a couple of angles that are worthy of contemplation here. One, the majority of the American public agrees with the part of the bill dealing with kindergarten to third grade over whether you should be teaching sexuality of any nature in public schools to kids. They agree that that doesn't make sense. A pretty substantial majority. But also, secondary part to this, I find it troubling that Disney, which is a corporation primarily, I know it's not exclusively, but primarily designed for families and for kids, is so obsessed with this particular aspect of the bill that there are Disney employees walking out chanting, say gay, say gay, when the entire basis of their protest is unfounded from a kindergarten to third grade perspective, right? I mean, I'm a kid. I'm sure you were, although I don't know to the extent. I grew up, Buck, my family, we would go to Disney World. That was the vacations we would take. And I, and it's wild. We would stay at uh, Fort Wilderness, which is the campground at Disney. And we would stay oftentimes in campers, unair conditioned, no bathroom. We would stay in a camper, my sister and I and my parents, and we would go to Disney World. And we would watch Disney movies while we were at Fort Wilderness and all these things. I take my family regularly have to Disney World as well, my three boys, the idea that this children's, to a large extent, entertainment corporation is taking the stand that they are against Ron DeSantis and the state of Florida is frankly disgusting to me. I used to get dragged out to the Boundary Waters, Clay, where I was told to carry canoes for a portage of up to a mile sometimes as like a 12-year-old and then had to clean what my own What is the Boundary fish? Waters? I don't even know what this is. Really? Oh, the no. Boundary Waters is northern Minnesota. It stretches into Canada. It's the Quitico National Park area. I don't e- think I've Ely, ever been there. Eli, Minnesota, I believe, is how you say it. We used to go this there. This is like a kid's e- camp? No, this is like real deal camping. Like, like catch what oh, you wow. catch what you yeah, eat. I did not do that. Yes. Did you, did you portage? You've never done a portage, have you? you got to carry your canoe on your back over land to go from one lake to another. I don't think I've ever had to do that, no. It's, it's rough stuff, let me tell you. But it was good. You know, it put some, I mean, you know. Put some hair on, on my chest, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I wish I, I, wish I had been at Disney go. World, I, I think, like... is what I'm really figuring out here. But, no, look, I think that the Disney wokeness thing, it would be fascinating. Again, I'm, I'm always trying to draw these, these uh, I guess, sociological comparisons or try to look at the data. I, of the people that are walking out saying or saying gay because of the say gay, say gay, say gay, say gay, yeah, um, I bet none of them have read the bill. 
Not a single one of them. I would, I would argue, I wish I could be there right now. I do one of those man on the street things, uh, where I'd say, okay, so have you read the bill? And I've just asked them the most straightforward questions about what, I bet they don't even know the name of it. Start with that. And then I think if you also press them a little bit, you'd find that they believe in double masking. They think Fauci is great. And if we have to go to nuclear war with Russia over Ukraine, that's fine. Because these are people who believe what they are told by the Democrat apparatus. That's what you would see overwhelmingly. Buck, you know, I'm in the process because my kids are going to be down in Orlando in early May. And we were talking about potentially taking them. They're doing a competition. They are taking them to Disney as well. I looked up some of the rates at Disney hotels and my jaw dropped. I I cannot believe what they are charging and what they are getting. Now, I think a lot of people didn't travel for a couple of years, and so they saved up. But I am stunned. You know, for a family of four to go to Disney World, you're talking about easily spending fifteen or twenty thousand dollars if you are staying at a Disney property right now. I mean, we're talking about thousand dollar a night hotel rooms that are just kind of okay hotel rooms. It's like you're staying at you know the Four Seasons. Uh, because by the way, I looked up the rate at the Four Seasons. Do you know what the top? This is this blew me away, Buck. What is per night? The Four Seasons Disney World uh, rate right now at the high end per night. What do you think? Family of, I've got five, so I have to fit, you know, like everybody into a room. I got three boys and my wife. What do you think the top rate? This is a Disney property resort, the Four Seasons. What do you think they cost a night? Disney four seasons a night a one like a a suite what are we talking well about? it's got it's got to have big enough room to fit five people right it's not really a suite but it's bigger than like a standard room right it's got a pull out couch and like a uh, couple of beds I'm saved by the bell because our friend Shannon Bream from Fox <laughs> News just called in here we'll come back to this though when we return we'll discuss more I'll te- I'll tell you more about about real deal camping Mr Travis I I'm actually curious about real deal camping. Shannon, did you grow up going to Disney World at all when you were a kid? Oh, heck yeah. In fact, we I was born in Sanford right outside of Orlando. Yep. My mom went to Disney World when she was pregnant with me where they did like a private preview for residents who lived in the area. So I've been going since in utero, one of my favorite places. Oh, it is a fabulous place. What do you think then? Uh, well, we'll come back. The answer, I'll give you the answer in the next segment. That's called a tease. Uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson, you, you are there right now watching this hearing. Mm-hmm. Compare and contrast it with the Brett Kavanaugh hearing, please. Oh, my goodness. It was a totally (laughs) different world for many reasons. First of all, the public, the general public, is not allowed in the Capitol right now and into these hearings. That makes an enormous difference because when they were allowed in, some of them would come with things, you know, hidden under their shirts or their hats. They would jump up and have posters and they would yell. I mean, you guys, if you remember from the very opening statement by then Chairman Grassley, he was interrupted numerous times and we thought, oh, my goodness, this is not going to be a normal uh, confirmation hearing. And it was very jarring in the beginning because it happened so consistently in the Capitol Police bless their hearts. These are fantastic men and women. They were just taking out protester after protester after protester. It was just a constant stream to the point where by like the third day, they were yelling and jumping up and no one even flinched. I mean, it had gotten so ridiculous that people just kept talking. Um, (laughs) This is a totally different situation here. It is much more calm and respectful. And I think a lot of that is because the public's not allowed in. Is there any drama at all about whether or not she's going to be confirmed in your mind? I don't think so, simply because the Democrats have the votes that they all stick together, and I imagine they will and probably get a couple Republicans, too. 
So we're looking at this through the lens of, you know, the GOP trying to score points for the midterm. I think a lot of it is about that, this argument that Judge Jackson is soft on crime um, or that she's going to be really progressive. I think it's more about kind of um, trying to to paint the Democrats with a certain philosophy and a far left philosophy um, more than it is about the actual vote on her. Shannon, it's Buck. I got to say, I think that one of the big differences between what was I mean, what the, what their goal was with Kavanaugh versus what any kind of goal would be here was that the Democrats believed that if they could if they could scuttle the Kavanaugh nomination, they would get a a more uh, moderate, which would mean more Democrat leaning in decisions, justice to replace him. Right. That effectively the GOP would have been scared. Mm-hmm. Trump would have said, fine, we'll give you Merrick Garland or somebody like that instead. At least that was their plan. Is it fair to say that if if it wasn't Ketanji Brown-Jackson, and I've said I think she'll get four or five GOP votes in addition to all the Democrat votes, but if it wasn't her, it would be somebody who has a similar judicial philosophy, right? I mean, there's no there's no chance that the Senate Democrats and the Judiciary Committee, uh, I'm sorry, there's no chance that Biden rather would put someone forward who wouldn't be along the lines a of a leftist and an activist on the court. Is that am I misreading this? Well, yeah, listen, he's definitely going to choose as a president somebody that he feels would would rule in the way and share the philosophy that he has about the law and interpreting the law and interpreting the Constitution and statutes and the text and all that kind of thing. But I got to tell you that there is some reaction from the far left that's not thrilled about what they're hearing from her answers today because she's saying things like, here's what I do. I try to be neutral. I go read the text and I go back and look to the original people who wrote the text. What did they mean at the time they wrote it? That doesn't sound like a super far left progressive, you know, situation where I'm going to just the Constitution is living and breathing. I'm going to interpret it. She specifically said I would not interpret statutes of the Constitution based on my own personal policy preferences or the policy preferences of the day. So she's saying all the things that you would need to say to get Republican votes. Uh, but there are some on the, the left feeling like, wait a minute, we wish President Biden had actually gone further left. She sounds a little bit too mainstream and reasonable compared to what we thought we were going to get. Shannon, she said uh, or that she was asked during uh, questioning about saying that George Bush, uh, W. Bush, I believe, was a war criminal and said, oh, I didn't intend to offend him. Did that register any uh, significant impact in your mind? You know, I was actually out of the room when that happened. But as the as the hearing just restarted um, with with Senator Dick Durbin, who's um, the Democrat who runs the chairman of the committee, he just he was bringing in some material saying that he wanted to give context to what she had said. So I think that you're probably going to hear more about that this afternoon. And she she's going to want to after that quick break. She's going to want to readdress that, I think, and, and give people a, a more definitive answer on that. Outstanding stuff as always, Shannon. We appreciate you making time. Know you got to watch all that hearing, uh, and we look forward to watching you on Fox News as well. Can I ask a question? I want to know how Bucks Bracket is doing. Oh, that is uh, a fantastic uh-oh. question. Uh oh. <laughs> Who did you um, pick, by the way, Shannon? Liberty wasn't in it, so uh, you guys had the fantastic so uniform reveal. I know the best uniform reveal ever. Yes. And listen, Sheldon will tell you, my husband, you know, that when I have to make a decision about sports, a lot of times I go to the quote costumes yes. and I decide based on what they're wearing. <laughs> Shannon, so I'll just tell you this. Uh, Mr. Mr. Fancy Sports Know-It-All Man Travis's top pick is already out. Yes. And my own Villanova, what's the mascot, Clay? Wildcats. Thank you. My own Villanova Wildcats that I love so much are still in it, Shannon. So there you go. Uh, he may end up beating me. He may end up beating me, Shannon. So uh, it is uh, it's a mess. By the way, 
well, I'll 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 text you the answer on this for on this uh, cost for Disney overnight stay, but I'll tell everybody else when we come back. Um, okay, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. All right, thanks so much, Shannon. That is Shannon Bream does fantastic work as the Katanji Brown Jackson uh, continues with the Senate Judiciary Committee hearing. You notice something uh, in our country? Too many people no longer identify themselves as Americans first, but instead identify themselves by race, class, or sex. There was a time all Americans related to one another that we were all part of a great democratic experience, a melting pot of cultures, diverse backgrounds. It was the premise of the entire melting pot of citizens, both new and old. I'm talking about citizens and citizenship. If we lose that, we don't have a country as it's been imagined for nearly 250 years. That's why Hillsdale College is trying to make sure that everybody gets educated about our history. And that's why they're offering a free course on American citizenship to help you learn about what's happening and why. Courses taught by Victor Davis Hansen. He's a doctor of history who will equip you to help restore our country with this information. You can sign up for free at Clay and Buck for Hillsdale.com. You'll learn about topics like the history of citizenship, the deep state, and even the Great Reset. Please sign up today to take Hillsdale's free course at Clay and Buck for Hillsdale.com. That's Clay and Buck for Hillsdale.com. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my from this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. Third hour already upon us here on the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. Thank you all for joining. Thanks for rolling with if you've stuck with us the whole time. Appreciate that in particular. Uh, obviously, if you missed any part of the conversation that we've been having today, the podcast on the iHeart app, the Clay and Buck Show, is a great place to go. Put up hour by hour. Uh, please do check us out there. And Clay, you know, we, we were we've been talking a lot about the transgender swimmer issue because a transgender swimmer just won the NCAA 500 meter women's freestyle championship. And there are some women who are very rightly upset about this because it affected their ability to compete at the NCAA finals at all, which for some women would be a crowning achievement to you know, spending, what, 12, maybe 15 years of their lives in the pool, training, training, trying to get faster. I mean, to be at that level as a swimmer is a remarkable achievement for women, and that was taken from some of them. Well, we do have some in this country in elected office who are willing to say something about this. They are not going to stand silent on it. Here is Ron DeSantis put out a statement today by allowing men... To compete. Notice he used the term men. He doesn't say biologically gendered, previously described males. He says, by allowing men to compete in women's sports, the NCAA is destroying opportunities for women, making a mockery of its championships, and perpetuating a fraud. In Florida, we, re- we reject these lies and recognize Sarasota's Emma Wyant as the best women swimmer in the 500-meter freestyle. Clay, you've said it, I've said it, it's absolutely true. Emma Wyant is, for all intents and purposes, a gold medal winner, number one for women in the NCAA 500-meter freestyle. And DeSantis even spoke out on this today. Play it. The NCAA is basically taking efforts to destroy women's athletics. They're trying to undermine the integrity of the competition, and they're crowning somebody else Uh, the woman's champion, and we think that's wrong. And so in Florida, I'm going to be uh, later today because this is a Floridian who I think deserves to be recognized. You know, we're going to be doing a proclamation uh, saying uh, that Emma is the best female swimmer in the 500-meter freestyle because she earned that. And we need to stop allowing organizations like the NCAA to perpetuate frauds on the public. I think he's totally correct. (laughs) Totally right. Man, uh, this is an example of how to fight back. I mean, it really is. Now, this is not something that is, Buck, you and I have been fighting on this a lot. OutKick has been aggressively covering this story. And in fact, we had an article up over the weekend congratulating Emma Wyant, uh, who I believe is from the University of Virginia swim team, and would have been the 500-meter women's champion, but for the inclusion of a transgender swimmer. And so I get—I didn't know she was from Florida. Credit to Ron DeSantis and his staff, because I think that gives a, oh, like a no-brainer effect to the decision they're making, uh, because it is a Florida native who was deprived of a 500-meter, I think it's meter, sometimes I screw that up, but the 500, she would have won. And... I will, by the way, is Twitter going to ban Ron DeSantis for having this opinion? They might. I, I mean, you I, never right know. the way that Twitter is trying to defend this uh, this Leah Thomas story, 
they may well suspend Ron DeSantis' Twitter account for proclaiming that this 500, this other girl would have won, or this girl would have won the 500 meter. And this is the kind of battle that we're in right now, where the party ostensibly of science, Buck, let's emphasize this, the same people who are lecturing all of us through Dr. Fauci, you don't believe in science when we say, hey, you shouldn't wear masks, or when we point out that many people who are double-vaxxed and boosted, i.e. Jen Psaki, who just announced that she had tested positive for COVID again, many people who are double-vaxxed and boosted are still testing positive. The party of science, in quotation marks, is refusing to acknowledge biology. And by the way, this swimmer, still has male genitalia, sorry if there's kids out there, but walking around in a women's locker room when you still have, you're still biologically male and you're competing against, just think about it, take it outside of transgender issues, Buck. What would happen? I coach Little League sports. If I showed up for our 11-year-old baseball team and I had a 16-year-old with me, and I tried to play that 16-year-old in 11-year-old boys' baseball, everyone, every parent at that field would reject what I was trying to do. Because in athletics, we try to have people compete against other people like them. Ages are paramount. High schools, we have different sizes. Boxing, we have different weight classes. All of these things are designed to increase overall competition. But can you imagine if I just showed up with a bunch of 16-year-olds? They would kick the crap out of the 11-year-olds because they're older, bigger, stronger, faster. I mean, what would happen if the 16-year-old says, well, I identify I'm, as 11. I'm, Everybody I'm would say that's, age. that's absolutely absurd. And and the absurdity of this is, in, in many ways, I think, becoming more and more apparent to people. The arguments in favor of this are rooted in the negation of reality and mob madness. And such that even some Democrats, I mean, Fox, I know, Clay, played this over the weekend, a video of three women who are protesting the Leah Thomas uh, swimming, quote, victory at the women's championships. Here's what these women who all claim to be lifelong Democrats said. I was historically liberal. I mean, I'm a walk away Democrat. I am a lifelong registered Democrat who ultimately feels politically homeless. I would say I'm politically homeless now because I don't think the Democrats care about women and girls. The Democrats are not even acknowledging women as a sex class now. Now men can have babies. Men need abortion. It's no longer even a women's issue. I cannot be a part of this party anymore that doesn't even recognize my sex class. I know a lot of historically liberal people, uh, especially parents, who have felt like they needed to walk away from the Democratic Party. And I I don't know who they're going to be voting for in the next elections. Welcome to reality and and welcome, welcome to Voting for Republicans, it's just a question of time, because if you insist on living in reality, you're not going to be able to pass or you're not going to be able to, to vote in good conscience for these leftist loons of the Democrat Party. And I mean, Clay, at some level, you bring this up with the the existence of Leah Thomas's male genitalia and the changing on a regular basis in front of in front of women. Uh, you know, you think about, you know, indecent exposure, for example, right? I mean, if you walk up to somebody who does not want to see that part of you and it, you get arrested. You get arrested yes. for this, right? Because we have some understanding that this is this is an affront to a person's dignity to have to see this. 
Um, although these days in New York City, I mean, you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on and it seems, feels like nobody gets arrested for anything here anymore. But in general, you can be arrested for this. There's been, I think, all along an exploitation by the left of conservative kindness and courtesy. This is how they've gotten it even to this point. Oh, come on. It's a, be nice to everybody. Be inclusive. Just use the just use the preferred pronoun. This is just about being nice to people. Why won't you be nice to people? Always in the context of whoever the trans individual is deserves your kindness and sympathy. By the way, all all people, including trans people, deserve our kindness, sympathy and decency. What they leave out of the conversation, though, is what about the women in the locker room? How is it kind to them? How is it kind and courteous to tell a woman who's been swimming her entire you know, life that she can basically remember, sorry, you don't get to have your peak athletic experience. You don't get that gold medal that you earned. You don't get to be even in the NCAA finals, which you earned. That's that's discourteous. That's unkind. But they don't even talk about it. That's why women who are actually they think they're feminists are realizing, hold on a second, the wires are crossed here. There's something going on. Well, and and this is why also the entire concept of inclusivity is in many ways a lie, because the very inclusion of Leah Thomas is excluding women from being able to compete at the highest level. So when we talk about inclusion, we're also talking about exclusion, excluding women who otherwise would be able to perform at the highest level. I believe this uh, woman swimmer, give her credit, uh, from Virginia Tech spoke out and said, Leah Thomas, a man swimming against women, cost me the opportunity to compete for a championship. And this Emma Wyant that Ron DeSantis is giving uh, the proclamation for would have otherwise won. And let me say this too, Buck, that all those women we just played uh, discussing how they feel politically homeless, there are a lot of people listening to us right now, I guarantee you, who don't identify necessarily as conservative, who don't identify necessarily as Republican, they identify as Team Sanity. They want for America to be sane again. And I know Donald Trump ran on Make America Great. I think 2022 and 2024, Make America Sane Again, is actually something that appeals to a huge number of otherwise Democratic voters, to a lot of suburban women that went against the Democrat, uh, went against the Republicans in 2020. And we want you to be listening to us. We are a voice for sanity in an insane world. And I don't take that lightly because I know we have an incredible privilege on this show, Buck. You and I get to come on for better or worse. And I know sometimes you don't agree with everything that we say. But for better or worse, we have the privilege every single day for three hours of saying exactly what we think and fighting back against the voices and rising tide of insanity in this country. And I know that a huge number of you out there listening to us right now feel voiceless and feel as if you are surrounded by that insanity and you come to us for three hours every day and we try to do our best to make sense of the world and we welcome all of you regardless of how you may have voted in the past because I really do think there's a new lineup that is occurring in American politics and it's not necessarily, in my opinion, Democrat versus Republican. It's sane versus insane. And the Democratic Party is on well, the side of insanity an awful lot. I mean, I think the party's yeah. kind of align on, you know, sane yeah. versus insane these days. This is what we are seeing. And we could go through and do go through, I think, a lot of the ways in which that plays out through policy. Uh, Jen Psaki, I, by the way, I don't think it's a story when anybody has COVID anymore, but this one is 
kind of funny because she's going to be fine. Of, first of she, all, it's she's, like she's going to be fine. Be we wish her a speedy recovery. We guess, and right, she'll be, you know, she'll be sipping tea for because I had it, you had it. She'll be sipping tea for twenty four to forty eight hours, and she'll be, you know, back on the on the soul cycle uh, in you know three days probably. Anyway, but it's funny because you have to if you're a lib, you have to sing the required tune. A second, the second you get COVID, we all know you must say something. And we'll actually play that for you. We come back. There will be a time when you're considering the purchase of gold or silver. You likely have already given it some consideration. Precious metals are the best investment form to protect the value of your savings account against inflation over time. In a year that's going to see inflation rates of what? 7% more than that. You're the one who has to protect the value of your savings. You do that best with gold. I get my gold from the Oxford Gold Group. They've made it so you can have real gold and silver delivered to your home. It's gold or silver you've purchased, and now you can easily take delivery. The same thing can happen with your IRA or 401k. Real gold and silver into your retirement accounts. Remember, gold and silver traditionally hold their value, especially when markets decline or even fail. The Oxford Gold Group is the industry leader in precious metals. They're offering gold and silver at the lowest prices on the market. The Oxford Gold Group will beat any competitor's price on precious metals. Get gold you can hold or get real gold in your IRA or 401k today. All you have to do to call the Oxford Gold Group and request your free precious metals investment guide is dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keywords gold IRA. You'll receive your precious metals investment guide directly to your phone and get all your questions answered with one call through Oxford Gold. Simply dial pound 250 and say the keywords gold IRA. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 